Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, and I'm glad you're with me. I'd suffer the embarrassment of axillary hyperhidrosis if you gave me sweats with the idea that you missed this week's show. Prepare to tell future impact stories. My guests from 21NTC want you to invest in technology so you have the outcome and impact data you need to tell great stories. There's Stephanie Fast and Jeff Malando, both from Social Solutions. And modernizing your IT function. Now that you have a purpose for your IT upgrade, let's take it to the next level. Derek Gilbert explains his people, process, and technology framework for IT upgrades that rival corporate achievements. He's founder of Gill Technology Group. This is also from 21NTC. On Tony's Take Two, your mission-based relationships. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And you'll be hearing more about them throughout our 21NTC coverage. Here is Prepare to Tell Future Impact Stories. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We are sponsored at 21NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. My guests now are Stephanie Fast and Jeff Milando. They are both with Social Solutions. Stephanie is president of Impact Partners at Social Solutions, and Jeff is director of Impact Partners. Stephanie, Jeff, welcome. Thanks for having us. Great to have you. Thank you very much. Your workshop topic is impact stories, combining stories and data to better prove impact. Uh, Stephanie, what uh, we, we see uh, that some shortcomings in storytelling, are they either too anecdotal or too data-driven? Is that the problem? Well, I think that's the problem historically is that the nonprofits have focused on telling the stories of their work but they haven't been in a position to tell the data that to use the data to back up those stories. So the, um, the readers get heavy on one side, which is the, the emotional side of the stories without having the, the technological data to support them. So our, you know, what we were talking about in our, in our session was how do you tell a better story? How do you bring those two together to, um, to be more impactful because you're balancing both the heart and the head. Okay. Right. The heart and the head. Very good. All right. Uh, important distinctions to make. Right. All right. So yeah, cause we want to be data driven, but we also want to have some emotional appeal. Um, so Stephanie, let's stay with you. Why don't you get us started? How do we, what do we first think about if we're going to be writing and uh, we want to write one of these impact stories? Well, one of the things that, that Jeff and I talk about a lot is, is that you have to plan for data. It's not something that just happens automatically. So most of the, the nonprofits that we talk to or our, our clients of SSG have already um, sort of gone through their reporting cycle to their funders, right? They've written their 2020 statements, however, you know, um, unique and um, I want to say, you know, 
messed up, right? For lack of a better word, like 2020 was what it was, right? Yeah. And, and there was a lot of changes that we saw with funders in terms of their requirements for reporting. They, they reduced requirements. They uh, allowed nonprofits to have more flexibility in how they spend their funds. And, and so the reports that the nonprofits created for 2020 sort of reflect that. Like they had to just, you know, get work done as fast as possible, kind of blow things out. And, and so they've, they've now had a chance to report back to their funders on what they've accomplished. The, what we've been talking about is how is 2021 going to be different, right? 2021, like when we're sitting a year from now in, in March of 2022, you know, looking back at 2021, like what do you want to do differently when you talk about your impact in 2021? And if you're going to have a change in your story, then you've got to start thinking about the data that's going to support that story now, right? Like figure out what you want to say next year and then let's back it up and look at what do we need to do today to be prepared to tell that story a year from now. Jeff, okay. do you have anything? Jeff, pardon me? I was just seeing if Jeff had anything to add to yeah, that. Well, I was going to ask the same. Okay. Yeah, we got, absolutely. We got to get to Jeff. So, uh, Jeff, all right. So, so yes, we're going to predict what we want to be able to say. So how do we start now deciding what to capture to say that a year from now? You know, I think I think a lot of nonprofits, especially the providers of human services that we get to work with in our in our daily lives at work, they know what they're good at inherently because they're doing it every day. But it takes a bit of a heads up approach to think about systems and strategies. And most nonprofits don't have time to do that, right? They're like knee deep in the river trying to catch fish, and somebody's on the on the on the banks of the river with like a net saying, "Like, do you want to try something different?" <laughs> um, and so that's kind of where we, we sit uh, today, right? And we, we, it's a constant, constant thing, right? Um, there's always room for innovation. There's always uh, a role that technology can play. And, and the, I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times, nonprofits are behind when it comes to tech investment. Um, and we know that, right? If you look, at, look at the public sector side or even the, the for-profit business side, Studies have shown for-profit businesses are investing anywhere from 13 to 22% of their bottom line revenue on technology because they know it's transformational. It lets them do more with fewer human resources, right? Nonprofits, I think N10's latest statistics is about 2% of annual operating budget is spent on tech. Oh my, it's that low? Like 2%? That's, that's the latest number that I've seen. And I'm, yeah. I'm not all that surprised. Um, and if you look at the types of technology that most nonprofits have universal access to, it's Microsoft Office, and it's an operating system, right. and it's a calculator, right? <laughs> well, that's really hard to show that you've actually changed. You've actually moved a family from housing insecure to stable, right? Other than you just put that in a letter to your donors or your funders, right? Um, so to be able to invest in like the technology infrastructure and the capacity to prove it and to prove it, not only that you've done it for that one family, but that you've done it for every family that you've touched or that you do it for an X percentage of the families that you touch to be able to show your success is one side of the coin. I think the other side of the coin, the, maybe the side of the coin, nobody wants to talk about no nonprofits want to talk about funders. don't want to ask about it is, what are the things that we're doing and spending time and resources on that we're not good at? So anecdotally, we work with a nonprofit. Uh, we'll work with them for years, right? Big nonprofit. They run five programs in their community. They adopted uh, some data systems to track their impact 
statistically, quantitatively. And what they realized is four of their programs, extremely impactful. Participants enrolled in those programs were having just massive life changes that broke mm-hmm. down cycles like poverty or, or, or domestic violence or abuse. The fifth one, they were mediocre at. And when they compared their notes with another nonprofit around town that did the same service, they found out that that other nonprofit was way better. So they developed a partnership, a data-driven partnership to actually extend uh, a better experience to the people that need that service in their community. So when I think about impact, I I know that um, funders want to talk about impacts for the sake of nonprofits telling it to them so that they can say, look at what we invested in. But really, impact is about changing a person's life, right? So I don't want to get too like, it's all about data. It's all about stories. It's all about telling this to your funders. It, it really, it comes down to doing good work to change the reality of a person's life, right? Does that make sense? All right. Yeah, you said a lot there. Uh, I mean, so, so I'm, trying to, I'm trying to take away, you know, technology investment, at, at, and there's lessons to be learned from the corporate side, but also focus on what you do best because, because the, the things you're not doing well are sucking resources away from where you, you can be much more efficient. Every dollar spent on a, on a lackluster program is a, is a dollar not spent on a highly efficient and impactful and successful program. Right. Yeah, economists would call right. that opportunity cost, right? right? Yes, the opportunity cost yep. of doing something you're not so good at is is high when you're talking about people's lives or mm-hmm. cleaner air. All right, all right, yeah. all right. So let's get. All right, we got to get back to now. We got to get back to the root of uh, writing these impactful stories. So drill this down now, Jeff. I'm not letting you off the hook. Bring me, bring us back to writing impactful stories. So put, for a, if I were to have got a deadline, I'm on, I'm on deadline here. I've got a, I got a 250 word uh, e-newsletter piece. That's got to be yeah. done by uh, midday tomorrow. Yeah. Where am I here? So nonprofit. Yeah. Do you think, do you think your funder wants to hear about all the cool stuff that you did? Or do you think your funder wants to be shown the impact of all the cool stuff that you did? Right. That's what it comes down to. Right. So take your data Show your investors, whether they're institutional funders, private philanthropy, corporate funders, or even individual donors, and show them that the dollars that they spend on you are well invested. Um, There are definitely donors out there that give from the heart, and that's very nice. And there are definitely institutional funders out there that just want to write the check and hear about how many kids you served. But the the ones that are going to be long-term partners the ones that are going to give you grants year over year, maybe long-term grants, they're the ones that are going to want to see that you're the type of organization that believes in proof and evidence and that you, you have a model and the systems to show it. All right. All right. So there's, there, there's, there's a lot that has to be set up. Uh, well, that, this is back to Stephanie's point. You need to know what you want to capture and your point, you have to have the technology uh, and the most efficient programs to capture the, the best. I mean, your most efficient programs are going to show better data than your lackluster programs. Right. So, all right. All right. And this is much a learning curve for nonprofits as it is for funders. This is, we often try, try to separate the two conversations because they're technically two different types of organizations. This is the same problem encountered for both groups, right? right. A funder says, hey, I have this grant 
where I gave money to this organization that went to schools and handed out brochures about dental hygiene. What's the, how do I measure the impact of that? I was like, well, you don't, there, there isn't any, like that's a sponsorship, not, not a grant, you know, yeah. if All you're right. investing, if a funder is investing in an organization, they should also want to invest in that organization's success, not just right. Wait, you faded out. Not just what? Not just writing the check, right? Not invest in the success. Yeah. No, invest, right. Investment, not just a transaction Yeah. versus a transaction. All right. One of the Stephanie, things- yeah, Stephanie I, want, I want you to bring us back to, uh, I, still, I'm, I still have my deadline for a 250 word article <laughs> and uh, that I need to plan for what I want to say in 2021 is not going to help me write my, my impact story with my new deadline for tomorrow. Right. So one of the things that we that we talk a lot about is about the difference between outputs and outcomes and insights and impacts. Right. So there is a continuum. And I think the old way of of sort of looking at it was like dollars per participant. Right. So you could see how many people did I serve. Right. That's sort of the old way of doing that. And I know it because that's kind of how my background. So I came from a nonprofit. I worked as a chief financial officer of a nonprofit for 12 years. And over the course of those 12 years, when we started, that's what we were doing. We were counting how many people got access to clean water, right? How many people got access to a school? And what we were finding over the last five to seven years, I think it coincides with what technology is able to provide, right? The, The abilities of, um, of technology keep growing so that you're able to use data to find more and more, you can track more and more things and you can, and you can move beyond just tracking access or just tracking outputs. And I think you've got to, you've got to develop your theory of change. You've got to figure out what, what is the true outcome that you want to achieve and how do the outputs relate to that, right? That's an activity that nonprofits should go through and, and figure out like what is their theory of change. We, we did that at my former um, organization because our, don- our donors were starting to ask those kinds of questions. They were starting to get more sophisticated. They were writing bigger checks. If the, the bigger checks you get, the more that they're likely to be thinking about um, impacts instead of outputs, right? And, and so when you start moving from that mindset of just tracking the, the small outputs to, to starting to think about the outcomes, then you start to track different things. And that's how you build what you want to track next year by thinking about what do I need to start tracking now? Okay. All right. Well, all right. So my hypothetical, uh, my, my hypothetical writer who has the articles the, still not written. <laughs> yeah, it's still not right. All right. So I should have planned. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Well, the, the lesson is, that you, you, you're not going to be able to write a great impact story for tomorrow at noon with, with, unless, unless you've got things in place to, to, to track uh, real outcomes, real, real, real impact, a- outcomes versus impact. I understand the difference. All right. right. All right. So you'll have to work with the data that you've got and weave that into a narrative for your deadline story that's due tomorrow. Yeah, and I think that if you haven't planned, then you're going to have to rely heavier on the case studies and heavier on the, you know, taking one piece, one example of um, how your work has transformed someone, right? And if if you don't have the data writ large, then you're going to have to find the data in a in a microcosm and then tell that story um, as part, you know, what I was saying before was, you know, this balance of heart and head. But if you don't have 
the the big data to talk about than than pick a small case study and wrap your wrap your impact around that one individual and how they've been you know transformed by uh, your services. Okay. Okay. All right. You got us. Yeah, unfortunately, if if you didn't invest in the in the right infrastructure to get the data, your your noon deadline tomorrow is uh is there's a saying in the South, the ship done sailed. Yeah. No, that's clear. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we, we say something in the north. Well, I'm, I'm in North, north Carolina now, but I'm from the north, which is, you know, you're screwed. There yeah. you go. <laughs> you what, no, you, all right. You work with what you've got. And, yep. and Stephanie, Stephanie just explained how you can take an anecdote and mm-hmm. you can you can also craft that into a larger some larger narrative. But maybe without the ideal without the ideal data about uh, about true impact and and. And, and we'll never we'll never have perfect data outcomes. There's no okay. such thing. In, in an ideal world, we'll have clean and complete data, but it still won't be the entire picture. I think whether you have good data or bad data, the, the end goal is, you know, I mean, make sure your investors, funders, donors, community understand the work that you do, understand why it's help them understand why it's important and who you're who's benefiting from it. Right? Find outside resources. So do your research. Uh, I'm on the, uh, I help out, I shouldn't say I'm on the board. I help out with a nonprofit uh, here in Charlotte um, that does empathy education. It's really hard to get like metrics for a nonprofit with one employee uh, around empathy education. But what we do have is research, right? We can show that by doing empathy education K through five, people are more more likely to uh, be nicer. They're less likely to participate in bullying, Right. Um, and the research happens to come from Harvard. So that's, that's a start, right? So if in the absence of data, find someone else that had data and show that you're similar enough, right? So. Okay, there you go. All right. You can use yeah. some outside, right? You can use some outside numbers. You're in Charlotte. We're only about five hours away by car. I'm in, oh, where are you? I'm in Emerald Isle on the beach. Oh, okay. Very cool. Oh, oh Emerald Isle. I actually went to, so I went to UNC Wilmington. So oh, yeah. Oh, it's right about now, an hour and a quarter south or so. Yeah. I have the ocean across the street here. I'm very jealous how close you are to a port city, Java. I know on podcasts, we don't want to plug businesses <laughs> that aren't necessarily sponsors. But if you are, if attention folks, listeners, if you are in coastal North Carolina and you go past a port city, Java, and you're a coffee drinker, do, do not drive past it without getting something. Delicious. Okay. As, as he takes a sip from his mug, it's not a port city, Java mug, but <laughs> we don't have port city, Java here in Emerald Isle. It's a small, well, then you're not very far from one. Pardon me? You're not very far from one. Not very far from one. Maybe maybe Moorhead or something. Okay. We're we're a small town, only about 3,500 full-time residents here, which is why I like it. Um, All right. But Port City Java, that's okay. We can shout out non-sponsors. That's right. Yeah. Uh, We shouted out Social Solutions. You're not a sponsor. So there you go. There you go. go. Okay. Um, All right. So, you know, this is becoming more of a conversation about how to prepare to write impact stories next year which is where you started out, Stephanie, right. you know, saying yeah. you need to know what you want to report on a year from now to put those things in place to, to have the numbers to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. All right. That's all right. We, we got our, we got our, my, my deadline off the hook. So we're, we're okay. We, we gave some solutions for that. Well, Tony, I actually think the, like the actual story is, is the easy part. If you build the, the infrastructure to do it. Well, yeah, that's the point, right. So I'm saying that this has evolved into a plan for the future. 
yeah. write your impact stories. For sure. Or impactful story. Impact stories, I guess. Yeah. To, to write those stories. All right. So um, let, let's talk a little more about then what, what since that's where we are, um, this preparation. You know, what we've talked about the data driven. Let's talk about some of the emotional appeal. There's like Stephanie, you said, you know, it's the brains and the heart. Right. Let, let's, uh, all right, for this story that we're going to be writing a year from now, how do we bring in more of the heart? Well, I think the, the place to start is with the people who are closest to the work, right? So I think the best place to, to start talking about case studies is with the caseworkers, right? They're the ones that have the, the most direct experience with individuals. It's not in the marketing department. It should start with the people in the field. When in my, in my previous role, uh, that was, we were doing work in Ethiopia. And so our field workers were the ones that were capturing the stories, you know, in the small communities, in the small rural communities, right? Because they're the ones taking the pictures. And I think people don't want any more. They don't want the cookie cutter story of, you know, this little boy gets up at 4.30 in the morning, walks six miles to go get water. I mean, it, unfortunately, that we've, we've heard those stories too often. So I think what is appealing to people now is something that's more raw, that's more um, vulnerable, that's more uh, like real life of, of what somebody's experiencing in, in the most direct way that doesn't feel canned or staged. It doesn't even have to be a 100% good outcome. I think people are as interested in why things fail as why things succeed. And I think the more people are willing to tell authentic stories that um, that come at, come at issues from new perspectives, I think that really resonates with, with readers. Okay. Jeff, you, you want to you wanna hit to the heart? Yeah. And I think if, if we usually... Usually with nonprofits, the heart's the easy part. This nonprofit was typically started to do something for people, right? So there's an inherent emotional um, attachment, an emotional load to that. Um, so we almost, I won't say exclusively, but a lot of times it's getting the, the uh, pulling out from the emotion. What is, you know, it's wonderful that we, we got this family stable housing, how does that, how does that help them? Like go to go one step further with the data. Um, but I agree with Steph. It's about getting the stories from on the ground and this is going to vary nonprofit to nonprofit. Right. right. Um, so if you're a art museum, you have to think about, well, we have these great exhibits and we have this much, you know, we have this many people coming to see it and they're experiencing this art that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. I'd also think about the equity of it. Right. So, Oh, but also we have, you know, we subsidize visits for people of this income level and we have school trips come through, but that's going to be completely different if you're an after school program, right? If you're an after school program, you probably have really good data around, Hey, we know after the 14th absence, this kid is 40% less likely to graduate for any given grade, right? Well, the, what that means for little Timmy is that, well, Timmy's family just lost their house and now they're in a hotel. So Timmy had to switch schools which meant he was out of school for 10 school days. We have to intervene, right? Just show, show your readers. Think of, well, first of all, think about what your readers are interested in and what you want to get out of it. So if it's a donor or if it's a community member and, or a funder, 
you want to be able to show that you're solving a problem, that you are providing a unique solution to a problem that we know exists in society. Um, and from there, an accurate description of the problem is often a lot of the heart. The heart will automatically respond to that. The thing about that's the thing about the heart or the other side of the brain. It's it's sort of it's very responsive to, to that pain and under like it's not hard to understand what it must be like to be a family losing their home or a person that's out of work, especially this year with with the pandemic. That's easy, right? The next step is showing, and here's how our solution solved that. By by this point, if if your if your problem is real and your solution is good, people are already crying. And and a lot of this emotion is, uh, as Stephanie said, is going to come from the folks who are actually doing the work yep. on the ground. You know, they're yeah. they're the caseworker with Timmy's family. Yeah, uh, and there's certainly cases where, like instances, where you don't want to necessarily use too real world of an example. Domestic violence shelters don't. You're not going to use a name. Or anything personally identifiable, absolutely, hundred percent. We there's always going to be data sensitivities, and to think otherwise is um, maybe blindsided. But that's not to say that there aren't stories that matter, and there aren't stories that are both meaningful from an emotional standpoint, but also backed up by data and science and proof. You know, Tony, can I offer another um, perspective to this uh, conversation? Um, if we have time. So one of the other things that we're talking about when you're, when you're building your impact story is not to do it in a silo. So even though you are one organization, you are part of a community, right? And we, um, we are trying to break down the barriers between organizations working in silos to getting people to have more of a community um, mindset, both in terms of the nonprofits that are working together to solve, you know, a person's needs, like he was talking about little Timmy is needs homelessness help. He needs job or his parents need job help. He probably is food insecure. You know, they're, they're, people don't live single issue lives anymore. They need, they need organizations that can work together and can think about things in a community like fashion, both on the nonprofit side and on the funder side, right? We, what we, what Jeff and I do is strictly raise money so that nonprofits can adopt technology, whatever technology they have, whether it's social solutions or another technology. All we're trying to do is get money into this sector because we think change starts with technology, right? So when you can get the funders to start thinking in a community way, like pools of money and getting outcomes tracked for the whole sector, right? The whole community, then you start to have a different story to tell as well. And that story also would translate into your impact stories because then you're looking at, you're like, hey, it's not just about how many people I serve. It's how many families got out of poverty because I'm connected to this bigger network. And through this network working together and sharing you know, sharing data and sharing outcomes and sharing, you know, um, tracking people across organizations, we were able to get X number of people sort of out of the system, which is ultimately the goal, right? The goal is not to just give them a meal. The goal is to get them stable so that they can resist a shock when it comes their way and that they can get sort of placed out of the system. And so like Jeff and I, you know, we, we are, you know, obsessed with getting money into the sector so that, so that this work can start to happen on a community level. Okay. We're going to leave it there. All right. Stephanie, uh, we let Jeff shout out uh, that he's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Where are you? 
I'm in Austin, Texas. Austin. Go Horns. All right. Go Horns. Uh, you've got, uh, yes, your bio said you've got three daughters in what, three different, what is it, Gigum Horns, uh, Bula Bula, and... And, and Roll Tide. Roll Tide, roll tide of roll. Yep. And right, I've got so two wait, graduating so this year. Roll so. Tide is Alabama. Yep. Bula, I looked these up, but I don't remember. What's Bula Bula? Bula Bula is Yale. My youngest yeah. one in the ROTC program at Yale. Okay. And what was the third one? Is Hook'em Horns. She's a Longhorn. She's here in Austin at uh, University of Texas. UT. UT. Yeah. Okay. That's Stephanie Fast, president of, recent president of Impact Partners at Social Solutions and Jeff Milando, Director of Impact Partners, also at Social Solutions. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Tony. This Thanks, has been Tony. great. Pleasure. Excited. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference, where we are sponsored by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. It's time for a break. Turn2 Communications. Here they are. When there's something in the news and you want to be heard on it, when you want to get an op-ed published, when you want to guest on blogs and podcasts, speak at conferences, and be shared on social, you turn to Turn2. They have the relationships. They know how to get you the coverage. They know how to get you covered. Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. As you've heard a few times, throughout the show. It's time for Tony's Take Two. Your mission is the basis for your relationships. This has come up a couple times just this past week. Uh, Questions about, you know, what do we talk to people about or how do we open a conversation? It's your mission. That's what you have in common with folks. Now, I'm not so much talking about acquiring new donors. That, you know, my work is planned giving. We don't acquire new donors. That's a different science and art. I'm talking about having conversations, planned giving or otherwise, with any of your existing donors, even even first-time donors. They've, They've just done it. What's the common denominator between you and them? It's your work. They gave to your work. Even if it's just one time, you have it in common. You build from there. That's the basis of your relationship. Now, of course, in planned giving, you're talking to folks who have been giving to you for a long time, easily decades, in lots and lots of cases, decades. So, but the, so the relationship is, is already exists to some degree, and you're just maybe trying to expand it to be a little more personal. But, Wherever you are in either end of that spectrum from new donor or to, to planned giving or anywhere in between, your mission, your work, your values, the importance of all that, that's the common denominator that you've got with folks. That's what you build your relationship from. You have conversations and those conversations might be digital or, you know, marketing materials. I, I mean, conversations figuratively, your conversations are about that. That's what you've got in common with other folks. That's what they want to talk to you about. Now, of course, you can build a relationship from there, naturally. But that's what you've got to start your relationship building with. That's what you've got in common. So work from that. And I wish you, of course, fruitful relationships of all types. All types of, whether it's volunteer or the the folks you're helping, 
wherever those relationships are, they come from your mission. That is Tony's Take Two. We've got Buku, but loads more time for Nonprofit Radio. Here is Modernizing Your IT Function. Hello, and welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We're sponsored at 21NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. I'm kicking off our 21NTC coverage right now. My very first guest of the conference is Derek G. Gilbert. He's founder and chief business technologist at Gill Technology Group. He's at DG Gilbert, ITBA. Derek, welcome to Nonprofit Radio and our kickoff of the 21NTC coverage. Well, thank you. Uh, glad to be here. Appreciate it. I've been watching you <clears throat> at the last four or five uh, NTC, so I'm happy to be a, be a part of the broadcast. Yes, usually, right, when we were uh, on site, I've always been on the conference room yeah. floor, the exhibit room floor. Cool. Thanks, thanks for seeing us there. Okay. Um, your topic is modernizing the IT function, people, process, and technology. I want to kick off by just asking, what does modernization look like for nonprofits? Mm. Uh, <clears throat> that's the question of the day. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I did get a little coffee. Let me have a little coffee. Okay. Take, yep. Take your time. We got plenty of time to talk about it. Don't, don't worry. Yeah. The uh, well, nonprofit, I, the, the whole principle of why I propose that session is that I believe in being able to leverage things in different industries into the nonprofit. So I'm trying to, to see how we can, how the benefits that CEOs of commercial enterprises leverage modernization and to improve their bottom line, that nonprofits can definitely modernize their IT in order to their bottom line, which is creating greater impact and fulfilling their mission. So modernization is based in three phases, once they people process and technology. Well, I read an article, uh, McKinsey uh, company had an article about how CEOs was uh, modernizing their IT for revenue gains. Yeah. And it talked about uh, the role of the IT function uh, needs to change. In a, in a modern IT uh, organization is that IT becomes more strategic. And I know that a nonprofit that's been Quite a few years supporting nonprofits is technology is mostly seen as a tactical solution to what the mission is versus a strategic element. So the first thing is to the role of IT should be raised to to be a strategic. Uh, the culture should be more strategic. And, and we and, so, and so second. Well, so, so just well, we can, uh, you know, we in the in the nonprofit community can can get the same types of benefits that we're seeing. With technology on the on the commercial side, uh, yes, but diff- for different outcomes, right? So, um, for mission, driven, for example, you know, in the commercial space, uh, people may modernize to you know reduce costs in order to increase their profit line, increase a better financial picture. In the nonprofit space, um, we're modernized to reduce costs, but that's also to put more money. Uh, into investing into the mission or into the services. Uh, but you, the idea is that when, when IT is perceived strategically, it's, it's like I can do more mission, more value to the, to the constituents if I have more up-to-date and modern technology, 
strategically thinking. So we're up at the beginning of the front. So there are some financial and non-financial benefits either way. Uh, so I was just trying to use the fact of uh, let's, 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 let's position IT differently uh, as a partner, uh, as a strategic partner, as well as um, identify the right resources. We know that in, in uh, nonprofits, they are challenged by uh, funds for administrative or general services, such as staff overhead. And so the second piece of that is you, you really got to have the right people there. Uh, I mean, I always quote Jim Collins' book, uh, Good to Great, and talk about the right people. So you got to have talent there. And so uh, I know you may can't have a whole slew of uh, staff, but I think you need a leader there and you need a qualified leader. So the resources and then strategically use vendors, which we nonprofits, they do all the time. They outsource, right. but the right type of stuff. Uh, and then you look at how to modernize their technology infrastructure. And now we go into the cloud is, is obviously the right way to go. There's a lot of discounts for nonprofits to move to Microsoft 365. Uh, and that, that whole environment, that right there is everything you need to do with a nonprofit. And then it allows you to be able to scale and be more flexible. And if you do that, you just, you, you take the, now you can spend more time focusing on how do we have greater impact in, in the work that we do. Okay. So you, right. Do you have this people process and technology framework, which I, yes. want, I want to drill down into a little bit. Okay. Uh, I do, but first I want to just, I want to flesh out something. So folks get the idea. What does it mean to think of technology strategically versus tactically? How, what, what is it? What does that mind shift look like? How do we think about technology strategically rather than tactical? Well, the first thing is that uh, I always teach you that technology basically has four primary purposes or roles for technology. Technology is not having to be more efficient. It needs to have to be more efficient, be more effective, and enable you to do something that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to do. And then the fourth E, which is uh, expedite. Now, in Jim Collins, I quote a lot. He talks about technology as accelerator. So I had to find my E, so I had to say expedite. Things. Okay. <laughs> so, so when you think about at a uh, strategic level or business level or a uh, executive level, productivity is key to being efficient and effective. When you see that technology is going to allow you to be more productive, not just do more, but be more effective, then you become strategic. Now it's imperative that you have the right technology solutions because your staff and resources are getting things done better, more and more effectively, and so therefore it leads to greater impact. So it's not just technology keeping the lights on or utility, it's actually helping me drive business, drive mission, drive my outcomes, that then ultimately makes me look better in, in front of funders. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that that's kind of how I see it. It's kind of like, you know, adopting technology as a partner rather than like this necessary thing, well, you know, we all need to process spreadsheets. So you know, we need Office 365 or, you know, we need, we need the Office suite if we're not in the cloud yet, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I'm thinking of it more as a partnership than like this thing that is aside. It just helps us do our work, but it doesn't contribute to outcomes and, and success. It just is like a tool. We, you know, we just, we need it because everybody's, because everybody's got to have it. But all right. So that's sort of the, that's the way I'm, I'm, I'm sort of processing what you're describing. 
And, and, and in the 21st century, we no longer can think of technology just as a utility and just keeping the lights on because now you can't invest in that technology. Yeah. If it's not, if you, you're not going to put a lot of money there. You're going to try to do it as cheaply as possible because you don't see how, if I do invest and put the money in, my return is going to be greater for ultimate my mission and my fundraising and everything else. So that's, that's strategic. Um, okay. Okay. Management of IT. Yeah. Excellent. No more, like not just a commodity, but yeah, uh, a, an integral part of your success. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. I just, I want to make that clear for folks because, because it's hard to shift thinking, you know, we're just used to technology as, like I said, you know, like this commodity, this tool, we, you know, everybody's got to have it, but you know, uh, so I like to drill down into trying to. In, 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 uh, if I can, let me uh, just to bring on the, the people process and technology. Yeah, I kind of yeah. got the technology to know about infrastructure. But the people is getting the right people there. You know, what I find, and I had I saw this this week as well, a lot of the IT leaders in these nonprofit organizations didn't come in as IT. They came in as a programmatic person that took on responsibilities of IT. So this is very important that you need to have an internal resource that their expertise is IT planning, leadership, assessment, understanding. So then you can strategically create this partnership. So in, in, there are IT business partner roles in the commercial space, right? Because I've been looking at a few of those roles. And, and, and what we need to do is position IT as an IT partner in the organization. So we ride along with the programs area, the development area. We're sitting at the table with them because we can – better be informed and have better information. And the process is, is that, uh, and that kind of leads to the process is that you involved in the, the shaping the strategy, the development of business operations and things like that. Not because, now, okay, we need to talk about our CRM, bring in, no, no, bring in the IT director, bring in the IT lead. No, the process is we're multidisciplinary, let's bring IT at the table. And as you're strategizing around non-technical things, Mm. Uh, technology leader, the right leader will be able to see that and be able to understand and identify technology needs from those conversations that can be very fruitful. Okay. Okay. So in the, on the people side, uh, you mentioned this, but I want to, I want to hit it home that it, it begins with leadership because you're, you're talking about making it, making your tech team or your tech lead who, like you said, may very well not be a, person with a technical background, but making your tech lead a part of all the conversations, I mean, that's got to start, that's got to start with leadership. And Yes, and, and I can disagree with that for what happened to me. I, I worked for a national nonprofit for 10 years. The last seven years, uh, I was the IT director uh, for them. And uh, I just ended up that relationship back in October, so it's fairly new, but that's my oh, most yeah. And um, And what happened is that we got a new executive director doing my tenure there and actually uh, I was promoted to active director prior to him arriving then upon my arrival I had you know, as he was integrated into the organization he was having all these conversations so I believe I, I, I positioned IT strategically because I have an MBA so I was just fresh out of business school and not only did make me permanent active uh, director but he also elevated my position to the leadership which was the executive leadership team this is where all the business units, managers, directors of those programs, mission programs, everything. So now I was at the leadership team table because he saw that it was IT would be strategic to where he wanted to take in the 21st century 
mission model, ministry model he was pushing. And so that's when the roles and the people promoting, elevating IT to that, not only just the IT partner, but it would behoove us to have a senior IT sitting at the executive table that his role is not just IT, but is to shape strategy for the organization. So, so my executive director had to do that, right? So no matter how well I was doing my job, the leader, the CEO, the executive director has to have see that as a true value. And so the McKinsey article I read that spawned this, this session, it talked about how what CEOs can do to drive that down in that organization. So it's a culture change. Yeah. And so, but it definitely the, the leader of the organization, the one who the stuff, they would say the, the buck stops at, has to say, you know what? IT is not just a utility for us. We, we don't have the right technology in the right places. And, and the people understanding that we're not going to be able to sustain our, our organization. Now, Derek, what does the small organization do that, that doesn't have an IT lead? And maybe they maybe they they lean on a consultant to help them, you know. Ha- yeah. Yeah. So the, the smaller organization that doesn't have that benefit of of somebody that was in the position that you were in. Yeah, and, and, and that's a challenge, right? We didn't have a funding issue, right? We we, we had a nice endowment, so uh, money wasn't an issue. We didn't spend on it because we didn't have the money. Yeah. Uh, but however, a small organization is very challenging. There are, you know, one thing the build technology group that I'm, I'm doing now, and I've been consulting and had it in, in the works for a while, but I developed this IT advisory services company. But I saw this was what missed. I thought that nonprofits, small, medium, they just need the right leadership. Now, they can't afford me individually, right, uh, as, a, as an expert, but they need to have that relationship. So there's a lot of, so good partnerships. So you need to have, a relationship with someone you can trust. I preferably I would have someone independent of the organization that you're outsourcing to, but you maybe attain that advisory role, right? It could be very affordable. And actually, uh, my approach is similar to a financial advisor, is that there will be a, a flat rate every year I come in, I spend maybe six, six times with you, do a business analysis of your technology, and advise you on these things and develop a plan. So once you have a plan, then people within the organization with project management and program management skills can actually execute, help you execute the plan. But the key thing is I think you need to get the right plan in place and the right vision. If you engage someone independent of any vendor that you're using, that's just all they here is to properly advise you, find out the data for that amount of contract and consulting services and I said, well, I'll, use, I'll listen to the vendor. We had a, a guy in our community conversations yesterday said he feel like we, the, the CEO or the ED got in a three-year contract with a vendor, and he's like, that's a bad idea, but he didn't know when to talk to you, right? So but because of the relationship, they said, well, I'm just going to listen to the external person, but you got to realize those vendors have a goal. They have to earn revenue, even yeah, if not they profit. Gotta, they got to sell products. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so that is tough, but I think there's there's opportunity. Independent consultants are great. There's a lot of people who have experience, uh, but you negotiate what you need, right? Uh, sorry about that. You know, negotiate what the services that you need. Like, right. Say, look, we, we part time come in, help us develop a three three year plan, and we can be able to execute that. For you. 
Let's talk about the process then. We we talked about the, the people and the technology, and maybe we'll say more about the technology, but let, let's let's move to the process. What's what's that part of this framework? Yeah, the process is really the strategic planning process, right? Oh, okay. Every year you right. take a technology assessment, right? You do all those things. Uh, but however, you, you, your process will include streamline IT services and uh, delivery, right? So what I do in my role is not only toward the end is I adopted a help desk um, uh, software package, right? It was online through Microsoft 365. Again, it was free versions included. Uh, the name uh, escapes me now. But that allowed the IT organization from an operational standpoint to be able to manage support calls better, be able to manage the assets. So you had a technology to do that. So the, the IT acquisition with a technology acquisition process uh, proactively, meaning don't wait till things break down to do that, you know, set up a right. process with right. life cycle. Uh, so, people people uh, end up in, in crisis without, you know, if they don't have a regular modernization plan, you know, they end up in right. crisis when some, something fails or, you know, a, a, uh, an outdated app is no longer supported that they're relying on, you know, all of a sudden now it's a, now it's a crisis instead of having a, I guess, a modernization path. I mean, it's, 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 but really, but, but your technology should be a part of your strategic plan, right? I mean, wherever the organization is going, the technology needs to be right alongside with, I mean, integrated the way we were just talking about 10 minutes ago. Incorrect. And that's why that today in that in nonprofit or for-profit, that needs to be true, and that's the strategic nature of it, right? Not that you develop your 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 organizational business plan or mission plan and strategy, and then say, okay, IT director, this is what we're trying to do. Right. right. They're looking at now. You, you really handcuff, right? So he may look at it and say, well, we don't we don't have this, we don't have that. So let's. Oh, I need to buy this. It's a whole up, hold up, no. You don't have any more money. You just right. So now your, strate- right. now your strategic plan is no longer feasible because you yeah. don't have the, the you did because technology wasn't a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And now you find out you can't fund the technology to support the plan that your board has just just adopted last week. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it just got foisted on the the IT vendor or whatever or the IT person whoever's responsible for it, and yeah. and yeah. you can't support your plan. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense, right? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it does now. Hopefully, folks are avoiding this because. All right. So yes, it's got to be in, technology's got to be integrated. All right. All right. Um, should we say more about the the technology that's out there? I mean, you you mentioned uh, like the Office three sixty five suite. Should we say more about movement to the cloud? I mean, there are a lot of organizations still not cloud based, and so there. Well, is- you know, that's uh, like I say, the cloud breaks is out there. People know that they they know it provides a. Reducing costs and infrastructure and that kind of stuff. But the key thing, not only just from a technology infrastructure, also the technology personnel to to manage that, right? So uh, we had opportunity. We, we actually, I told the people this week, I said, well, I was lucky because we was actually, the last two years, we actually had to get out of our building and move to a new location. So we bought a new building and we, we got into the new building and had to build everything from scratch. So I was like, Oh great! I, you know, I, I not only have my IT budget money, I got capital money from from building out a building that I can invest in a new data center. Uh, you know, I had one server on prem that had and moved to Microsoft. Uh, we moved to Microsoft 365, 
We moved to Azure and all that. And so all the security things, firewall, we use the Meraki Cisco product, which has the, I can manage the firewall myself in the cloud, right? So all that flexibility, that modern environment, we had uh, uh, like maybe 30,000 30, square feet. I had over 500 or so internet connections in the building, then the wireless. We had state-of-the-art uh, AV. But right, now, you're, now you're bragging on, you know, now <laughs> most folks are not going to be able to do, do this, buy a building. That's the beginning. Right, right. right. Nobody lucked out because I, I, money, so there was some purposes to these things, not because IT drove it, but because we had the opportunity. Okay. And so uh, as I looked, it said not only that, but just minimal as mobile computers. And, I, and I'm, uh, one of the greatest things I would say is that we was prepared when the pandemic hit last, you know, 12 months ago, because I had already began the process of, of upgrading and moving people, first of all, off of um, uh, desktop computers. Because, because I was at the senior le- level table, I understood that the mission was going to be more robust and remote, right? We, we we had to cut down on travel and all these other things. So I said, well, you have to be more mobile then. Staff's going to be more mobile. So I started moving people off of desktops. Then I started moving people to from a Dell desktop because I needed something lighter, right? Lighter and doable. And I experimented with a few, but I ended up with Lenovo. You know how that quality of that product Lenovo, is very light. Lenovo? Lenovo, ThinkPad. Uh, Big pads, uh, oh, IBM product, okay. computers. And and so I had moved everything. By the time the last March, I had completely got everybody off of desktop. So when we had to go home, uh, that was no big there was no big deal. The only problem was printing, right? And but we wasn't closed, so people could come in that was a little bit locally and have to do print jobs. They could come in and copies and do print jobs. But I I, I I was very ahead of the curve. So in order to IT strategic, being be more proactive and preventive and not always in break fix and, and usually nonprofits, that's kind of what we do. We'll get the money once it really have to spend it or we get in trouble, but that impacts your mission. You don't need technology should should be helping you execute things more versus hindering. And so and that's why it's important to modernize not only your, your, your people infrastructure, your process infrastructure, but your technology, because no, technology is so affordable now. You're right, Microsoft, TechSoup, you can now non-profits can get the technology, so there's no excuse from a monetary standpoint. And then it's, it's, it's consumer-based, not consumer-based, consumption-based versus, uh, you know, such an overhead cost, right? You increase your operating cost daily, however, but you don't have these large capital expenses to upgrade servers, buy more servers, and start getting people on digital platforms and remotely. Uh, we had a lot of access databases. I mean, trying to get them out. We'll put them in the cloud or put them in some case. And uh, the technology for VPN. Now, although that's a, it's a trend not to do VPN because of some security and some other things like that. But at the time, I was trying to do this completely remote thing with Microsoft 365. But the other ability is you can, your network can always be accessible and you need this application yeah. uh, things happen too fast and, and I didn't get that but I could jump this app on everybody's computer and then they need to get the resources but none of the resources was in house all the resources in the cloud so you don't need VPN right you still have the security of Microsoft and so that's where that modern infrastructure technology uh, computer technology uh, we did do something with, with, with printing technology I, I 
invested in Canon multifunction printers. I can do copy and all that throughout the building. So we, and, and before I left, I was getting ready to do this print anywhere in the building. So no matter where you go, just put your badge in and print. So that's modern technology that if you can afford it, you move that way. Uh, but a lot of that is, uh, if you got the right leader, you can negotiate it, work with the right vendors, because it's always a win-win, right? So uh, some vendors I brought in uh, are very top-notch vendors, uh, but they do have, they want to get in nonprofit. They don't want to leave nonprofit money on the table. So they're willing to work with nonprofits okay. and discounts. Well, plus there are other resources, like you mentioned TechSoup. Yes. You know, TechSoup gives grants. Um you meant, did you mention IBM? Is there, is there non, are there grants from IBM? For well, I didn't get to the grants, but through TechSoup. Oh, through TechSoup. They, okay. right. they have a Lenovo ThinkPad. You, you right. go to their website. I'm talking like $1,500 off of a $3,000 laptop. Yeah. You know, and I told them this week, I said, there's no, if you're 5013C, you register with them. But the key thing is you got the resources. But what I'm trying to sell is you can no longer get away without having a leadership. Right? leadership. So for a small organization, you need to consult with somebody that's in your best interest for that advisory role, leadership role, or thinking about, and it's not uncommon for IT directors or leaders to, to be hands-on. So I'm not saying that. I was very hands-on. I was sitting there trying to fix computers, update a server. But majority of my work was the leadership and management of my IT team. Okay. So you can have a leader there that can do some hands-on work, but then outsource the real day-to-day level one, level two kind of things. And so that strategy is what I employed. So before I left, I had a 24-7 um, infrastructure management a contract. And you may have heard Winehammer Systems is an out of PA. And uh, very affordable because in order to manage the state-of-the-art network, they told me you would need like two additional engineers, one specialized security and server and all this kind of stuff. And that's that's 200 k for that. That's right. happening. And, and, and I was just paying a third of that for them for something that probably didn't, didn't be a problem much because it wasn't that high company and complex. Eric, I, I want to leave us with one, 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 I don't know, maybe not necessarily a tip, but one thing that small, small shops without, without an IT lead could be thinking about technology wise. Let, let's leave us, leave us with something that, whether it's security related or, you know, whatever, what's, what, what's your one, like one top idea that a small shop should be looking at technology wise? No, the, the one, the one idea to go away is to minimize your technology footprint. And Minim- so minimize you, your technology, what? Footprint. Footprint. Okay. Yeah. So uh, meaning your, your infrastructure layout. So moving, considering the cloud, particularly with the Microsoft environment, I'm not sure about what AWS has. But right now, I was a Windows shop, Microsoft shop. So I just went to Microsoft and I knew some relationships with some people who were certified Microsoft vendors, gold. And I went that right. But that's you minimize the amount of technology because the challenge is if you see if you spend too much time trying to fix technology problems or you're changing over and trying to support these, that's, that's the issue. So you want to minimize the amount of support needed by simplifying your, your technology footprint, infrastructure, operations, and a printing quick, like, you know, hey, you don't need individual printers. Get them off the desk. Do network prints because if they only need a desk, that's going to increase your technical support automatically. But definitely modernizing infrastructure by taking advantage of the cloud 
And last I would say, because I always say, is business technology, see the business decision that people make, organizations make, affects their ability to effectively leverage technology, the right technology, the right cost at the right time. So really think about your mission decision, business decisions, and make sure IT is at the table before you even finalize that because that'll, that'll impact your ability to be successful. You mentioned the, uh, we're going to wrap up, but you mentioned the, the IT footprint. Sometimes that footprint is a leaky, uh, like a leaky closet where the, the server is, the old server is like uncooled and, and it's a, it's a humid closet where maybe there's a slop sink in or something and somebody stuck a server up on top or something, you know, it's, uh, that all needs to be up in the cloud. You know, we gotta, we gotta get our servers out of these little, little un, uncooled closets that a lot of folks have. Yeah. And you think about it once I remember when we had on premise and, and say that we had a virus or somebody lost data or something like that, it would take two days for our managed IT service provider who managed our infrastructure yeah. to restore stuff. And then you miss all these, th- you know, all that was like, that was a headache. And I was like, no, we can't do this in 2020, 2019, 2018. So uh, at the end of the day, please think hard about addressing putting technology in the right place and realize that it's an investment in technology, not investment in technology. This is investment into your mission and organization's success and sustainability. I think if they change that mindset that if I invest over here, then that's going to help me be more sustainable in my mission, then I think that the argument to to find the money or even raise the money, because you can raise money specifically for technology advancements when they're going to connect to you being able to deliver more mission, a greater mission will have greater impact. All right. Let's leave it there. Excellent. Thank you. Derek G. Gilbert, founder and chief business technologist, Guild Technology Group. He's at DG Gilbert ITBA. Derek, thank you very, very much. You're welcome, man. Pleasure talking with you. Now. My pleasure. Thank you. More. If you need a special advisor, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> and this is Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference, where we're sponsored at 21NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. Thanks very much for being with us. Next week, we're all about email. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications. PR and content for nonprofits, your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. There's no way you're going to be forgetting that. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy, and this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>